0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy Hockey Day, everybody. It's the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. We're back. It's uh, Pat and Eddie on the mics tonight. Uh, Unfortunately, Jason couldn't make the show. So, hey, man, it's hockey time. It's Ducks time. Dude, I feel like we haven't done this in a really long time, even though Uh. we were busy all summer.
1: It, it feels like forever since we. Well, I mean, we we've been. To be fair, we've been, we've been doing shows, but this this is different. This is different. This this whole setup, the post game show setup, feels like it's been a while because we had no postseason. We had no we, playoffs. We, so, what,
0: like April till October, so it is quite a long time, man. I mean, that's about six months, a little less than six months, right? Yeah, it's good to be back, though. I Can't complain. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it it can't be as bad as last year, right?
1: It it feels feels well, different.
0: So last year started off with a win. This year started off with a win. I mean, we're on the same pace. We could we could have either yeah. kind of season right now. Bro. You could easily have <laughs> either kind of season right now. Last year started with a win.
1: This year started with a It's the same thing. Same old exact dogs. same thing. Yeah, same it's old times.
0: Nah, I gotta take my glasses off. I thought I was gonna need them. I don't. um Great to be back, man. It's nice to celebrate a Ducks victory here in Game 1. They started, you know, at, the, at uh, Honda Center tonight. Uh, the Dallas-Aikens era fires up today, man. Um, we know preseason, whatever, Ducks go 4-1-1. But tonight was the big, big night. Um, all this stuff in Anaheim, everyone's looking forward to the beginning of what could be. Uh, I don't know if you saw the commercials, but they're talking about, like, retool or rebuild. Retool or rebuild. I don't <laughs> know if you saw those on Fox Sports, but, like... That was the heavy I theme. Saw. Heavy theme, and they're very much pitching that this is a retool uh, under a new coach and uh, a younger squad, much younger squad than the Ducks have ever had. Um, I mean, you gotta buy into the hype, right? Yeah, like I was that, gonna say.
1: I, 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 I don't. Uh, I'm not too mad at the, they. They got to do that, right? No, they no to. way. I no. think I heard. Probably ten times that this is the youngest Ducks team in franchise history, but you got to You got to sell it, right? You got to you got to make it. Uh, it might not be a great year. I think we we all agreed it, it could be a pretty good year for the Ducks. Uh, best case, obviously, is yeah. squeaking into the playoffs. But there's always that chance that things don't go well. So if you're the Ducks, it's it's early on first game of the season. You got to try and sell it. You got to try and get people out. I'm sure you know. For most people we've seen, they're already excited, just the whole change with the new coach and a lot of young players coming in, but I, I don't uh, discredit them for trying to sell it.
0: No, I was pumped, man. I was very pumped going into this game. Uh, I haven't had a beer in uh, during the week in quite some time, but I made sure I had uh, several tonight watching this game all pumped as if I was at Honda Center. Only my beers were very, very uh, less expensive than the ones that everyone at Honda Center <laughs> was paying for, for sure. Um, but Let's get started, man. Let's get into uh, the pregame stuff here. John Gibson makes a start in net, um, and some guys we thought were injured actually are in the lineup. I and mean, There was a lot of injury concern after that last preseason game with Andre Kasha, with Sam Steele, with Brendan Gooley, even John Gibson. All these guys were question marks heading into, uh, into yesterday and into warm-ups today, but all's well. Everyone's good to go, and uh, the Ducks had a pretty solid starting roster for mostly what we expected.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly expected the tough roster decisions to come a little bit later, right? We knew uh, Lindström and Comtois uh, and, and Jones and Steele and all of them were going to be here on opening night because the opening night roster was put out day before the season started. But uh, there was no really word on if Steele or Kasha were going to play. They were kind of just questionable for tonight's game. And then we find out pretty much just before puck drop that uh, Isaac Lindstrom and Maxim Comtois were sent down. So we didn't get the the trio of Swedes line. And we didn't get to see Maxim Comtois, which I think a lot of people were a bit disappointed with. Uh, We already got Ricky in our chat saying that he's mad that they sent Comtois down. And I think a a few people are, but you look at maybe his performance in – preseason and compared to, let's say, Max Jones or Troy Terry or Sam Steele. And not to say that Maxim Comtois had a bad preseason, uh, but I think he would have had to wow some people to get on the roster. And I, I believe he only had two assists in preseason. It wasn't a great preseason from him. Uh, and you look at uh, what Jones and Terry and Steele are able to do, especially throughout, they, they just looked a little bit more fresh. And mm-hmm. that probably comes from the fact that they played more in the NHL than Maxime Comtois did last year. So if anything, I think he was the guy we all kind of expected, right? Like he needs a little bit more seasoning. And, and I guess the same goes for Isaac Lindstrom when you've got Sam Steele healthy and you've got Ryan Getzlaff and Adam Henrique. Why play him on the fourth line?
0: And no, uh, no Nick Delorier tonight. Kind of a shocker, That's right? the big bummer, right? <laughs> Very much <laughs> looking forward to uh, to him playing in an Anaheim dog sweater for sure. But uh, we didn't see him tonight. Uh, yeah, you got uh, you got Ma- you got Max Jones, uh, not Maxine Comtois. Sorry there, but um, I mean it's going to be a rotating it's going to be a rotating thing between those guys. I feel like you're going to see a lot of a lot of guys go down, a lot of guys go up throughout the season. Uh, this being a young team, And let's just start to make an impact, right? I mean that's that's what you're really going to see. Maybe yeah. the roster get more solidified, but when they're really going. I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see Comtois get called up. Um, so I don't think we're going to wait too long to see him. Um, How do you feel about Silverberg and Manson wearing the alternates? Uh, I, was, yeah, I, I was a little surprised I, by that.
1: Yeah, the Eric Stevens put out an article, I believe it was yesterday or today. He was promoting it a lot today where he had a Q&A with Dallas Aikens. He asked him that exact question because Silverberg and Manson had been wearing them during preseason. And Dallas Aikens said that he had about seven different guys he believed on this team could wear the alternate captains. And they were still trying to make a decision. Uh, I would assume that... Obviously, we know we know the answer now. But Silverberg and Manson obviously were the favorites, considering they wore them during preseason. And that seems to be the direction they were going. Uh, I don't hate it. You know, I'm, I think a lot of people are, are surprised that maybe Cam Fowler yep. didn't get one. That was my pick. Um, Josh Manson. I, I think uh, I don't want to say it's an obvious one, but I think if you had to pick somebody on this team, I think he is near the top of that list. Silverberg's a bit surprising. Uh, but I think if you want to go one forward, one defenseman, I'm not no, I'm not sure if that's the way they went. Obviously, you don't have to because Ryan Getzlaff is also the captain of this team. Uh, but if that's the way they wanted to go, I think if you had to pick another forward on this team other than Ryan Getzlaff, I think Jakob Silverberg's is a pretty safe choice.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah I was thinking and this when I don't want to get into a deep dive on, on leadership. Everyone who's listened to this show for any amount of time. Notice how I feel about uh, you know what that what, what grit and leadership does on a team. Certainly, there's respect that goes along with it. I just think it needs to be dived into all that much, is all I'm saying. But uh, I think the other guy that I I would have thought it would have been I thought it was I thought honestly it was gonna be Cami and uh, be Henrique and then Getz, of course. But uh, yeah, Henrique's you know, interesting. Yeah, good to uh, see, good to see him go with the younger guys though, right? Good to yeah. see him go with the younger core, and I think that's kind of the whole notion here is to move forward on from. We're kind of. And that retool mode, moving on from one quarter to the next, right? I mean, the Ducks are definitely taking that shift right now.
1: Yeah, and, and I think I, I don't think these are set in stone either. I think these, again, Dallas Akins believes, obviously, that he has seven guys who he thinks are leaders in this team. I'm sure Fowler's part of that. I'm sure maybe Adam Henrique is part of that. You could you could argue uh, Ricardo Kell is in there as well. Uh, Hampus Lintholm, right? So I think those are all all guys that you would assume are part of that seven. And just because Silverberg and Manson are wearing the A's, it doesn't mean that those guys aren't still leaders in the dressing room because I'm sure they are. Uh, the decision, uh, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, to have an A on your jersey it doesn't mean that Silverberg and Manson are better leaders or going to have to do more work than Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm or any other guys we just mentioned. Uh, I think it's just a decision they ended up having to make. You know, you, In the end of the day, you don't want to have – the A's rotating between seven guys, you'd want to have two guys who have the the entirety of the season that are going to wear it.
0: Yep. Yeah, I know. You just got to keep the leadership visible, right? You want to make sure that you have the same guys in the room that are trusted with it. So, I think it's good choices. Uh, let's let's hop into the, to, to uh, tonight's game, man. Uh, we got to get started here. We haven't done this like we said in quite some time, so if we're a little rusty. I mean, blame Eddie; he's Canadian. But uh, first period gets off. Uh, you know, I thought it was a solid period. Um Mostly some slip-ups here by the Ducks. But Manson started Rusty, off with right. a nice crushing hit on Clayton Keller, which was nice to see, man. Good to see him get that physicality started. But you have Rusty. Yeah, very much so, you could say, in this period, which is kind of like the opposite. The Ducks the Ducks usually come out on an okay first period or a strong one, but always have a really downer second period, and it was kind of flip-flop tonight.
1: That's a new coach. New coach, <laughs> new times. But... uh <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to see Josh Manson lay in the body. It's so simple, right? It's something we've kind of taken for granted because we saw it pretty much every season. But last, where Josh Manson was engaged physically, and I get it, it's one game, it's one play so far in the game, but it was a nice tone setter for the first period because it was right in the first couple minutes of the game, and it, uh, it showed the change, I guess, right? Like, if you wanted to see a change, there was a lot more transition plays, a lot cleaner exits from the zone so that you could see the transition away from what we saw under Randy Carlisle, but just uh, you know, the confidence for for Josh Manson to make that type of play is something we didn't really see last year. He was kind of shy a bit on the physical play, which is something you don't expect from a guy like Josh Manson based on his history before last year. So if that's a sign of things to come, I hope so, because the Ducks could really use a engage, uh, physically engaged Josh Manson for the rest of the year.
0: No, absolutely. They, you got to have that physical presence at some point on your team you can't just have a bunch of guys that are afraid of the body like that and i mean josh manson's definitely not that guy uh not a, not a lot of chances really in the early going um i, I felt that uh kind of, like you said rusty slow start but um <laughs> it's it's third pairing defenseman time for sure but but uh, Corbidian holzer i don't know if you caught that man but cop behind the net with an awful backhand right up the middle uh thankfully the coyotes couldn't convert on that ducks escape a bullet there for sure that's like the the no-no that's been yelled at my daughter since she started playing um, <laughs> playing hockey. It's it's just been that, that's a tough call for uh, for Holzer to make that move for sure.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm actually surprised he got in tonight. I thought uh, Michael Delzado was going to get in mm-hmm. with Jacob Larson. Mm-hmm. Uh it obvious. It seems like they wanted to go with the righty, so they can have a couple righties in the lineup instead of playing with five lefties. They already had Fowler playing with Gouli on his on his off wing. Then you got to throw if you throw Delzato in there, you've got you know your bottom two pairings are all lefties. So I think matchup wise, they wanted to go uh, with Holzer in there for the righty. I, I don't think you're you're losing too much by having Holzer over Delzado. There's not no. really a huge difference there, uh, and and that's going to happen. We've seen this from from Corbini and Holzer in the past. He's a seventh defenseman, right? So he's going to be if he's out there for any considerable amount of time, he's going to make some mistakes. Luckily for the Ducks, it uh, it didn't lead to a goal in this situation. But uh, I, that, that that's going to be a problem. I feel like for this year, and it's going to be a problem that that that's going to be a little bit glaring throughout the rest of the year when you look at that bottom pairing. And to how Jakob Larson is kind of going to get anchored a bit by by Delzato and Holzer. Hopefully Delzato can maybe string together a decent season and become a reliable six. But uh, that's going to be tough for the Ducks because, you know, it's kind of reminiscent a bit of when Kevin Bieksa and Francois Beauchemin were guys that were always in as that sixth spot. Yep. Not to say Delzato and Holzer are the same or worse or better than them. But uh, it kind of has that feeling to it. And the Ducks, I don't know if they're going to address that at the the trade deadline. We're a while away from the trade deadline at this point. Uh, Josh Mahur is still in the system. So maybe eventually that gets rectified from within rather than going out for a trade. Uh, But some worrying signs, I guess you could say, for that bottom pairing.
0: I mean, I would say worrying worrying signs, um, if you want to even call anything that in the first game of the season under a new regime. I mean, just overall defensively, the Ducks didn't look too strong. Uh I you know, it's easy to point out the mistakes of Corbinian Holzer here as as you and I just did, but I mean the offense was pretty anemic in the first period too. I mean, yes, the Ducks get on the board, which we'll talk about in a second, but they almost went I, I think it was seven minutes with uh with no shots on goal and then two softies uh before they were able to bounce back and get and get the goal there.
1: Yeah, it, it was uh it's a it's a back and forth start, and you, you get two teams basically. I think these are probably the two worst teams offensively last year, uh, looking a bit rusty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Coyotes went out and, and added. I think they said in the broadcast over fifty goals, thirty. 30- Plus of those were, were Phil Kessel, and they added a couple, from a few more additions that they had. Uh, but I think it's two teams trying to figure out who they are early on. In, in the Coyotes' case, it's, it's trying to fit Phil Kessel in and figuring out you know, where the majority of their offense is going to come, which obviously looks like it's going to be uh, Stephon Keller and Kessel. And, and for the Ducks, it's just building some chemistry. A a lot of new lines, a lot of new look lines and a a completely new system that, you know, the good thing is it's a it's visually obvious that there's a new system in place, which is nice because we came into last year saying, you know, hearing that the Ducks are going to be faster, they're going to play faster. And there was no evidence whatsoever. It was just kind of fluff. And then the Ducks played exactly the same as the, the season prior to that, almost worse because they were trying to make something work. So. I think that's there's obvious growing pains a bit from from having Dallas Aikens come in and having some younger players trying to find chemistry, but it's nice to see that the change is evident. Like we can see it this time; it, it's not fake.
0: It's like it's like trying to move. You could see in the breakout, trying to get the breakout going, trying to get the, trying to get the uh, the legs moving, uh, in that transition game. They got stuck a couple of times on line on line changes. They got stuck a couple of times in their own end. But uh, let's get to the positivity here, man. It, w- it was a goal here. And it was a very nice play set up, all by Derek Grant. Uh, Ducks get stuck in their own end for some time, forcing Gibby to make a couple of big saves. Uh, you know, we, like, we didn't say that enough the past couple of seasons. Uh, Grant makes a great lead pass up the Shore. Shore breaks in on Kemper. Kemper makes the save, sprawling out on the ice. Rebounds is sitting all nice and pretty for Derek Grant, who has a nose for the net. Jumps right in on that puck at the top of the crease and buries it. He, the number one center, Derek Grant. Uh, is the first goal for the Ducks this season, man. It was nice to see that guy get on the board. And Honestly, he had a hell of a game tonight. I think he played a really, really yeah. strong game I think, overall.
1: I think he was one of the Ducks best forwards, and, and just he was engaged every time he was on the ice. Devin, Shore and Rowney
0: weren't too far behind him either. They, they all had a yeah. solid game, for sure.
1: Yeah, Devin, Devin, Shore short a really good game too. And especially in that period, he was all over the place. He had a couple more chances uh, alone in that period where he looked like he could put another one to the back of the net. But uh, I thought that original pass from Derek Grant, I thought that was Hampus Lindholm. Dude, How nice pass that was. Wired. A breakup pass. Yeah. Wired it right to Devin Shore who, who, you know, good good credit to to Shore himself for kind of making that move in behind the defender and being able to receive that pass. That was a hard pass from Derek Grant, oh, yeah. uh, and he received it perfectly, came in and made a nice move. But you know, your boy Darcy Kemper uh, making <laughs> some good saves. Uh,
0: that's right. Look, the the, the uh, tower of power in in the Phoenix net, six foot five. Darcy yeah,
1: Kemper. yeah, that guy's massive. And and you know, credit to him making the save. But Derek Grant again. When you get when you're on the fourth line, especially on this team, when you've got so much depth, we already talked about come to on Lindström getting sent down, but you got Nick DeLory out of the lineup. You, you've got still some other players in San Diego like Sherwood and Carrick, who could come up and, and take your job. Uh, it's important for a guy like Derek Grant to go out there and, and make an impact. And you know he does what he's supposed to do. He, he crashes the net after making a good pass. He doesn't admire it, uh, and he puts the Ducks up one nothing. So it's it's nice to see him doing well. He's a fan favorite, obviously. Yep. And uh, it's nice to see him get on the board and get a goal because the Ducks are going to need goals from all over the lineup. You know, we, we've we talked about uh, in the offseason how Ricardo Kell has to bounce back and how Silverberg could have a big year. But if the Ducks are going to make up uh, and move up from the amount of goals they scored last year, it's going to have to be a, a team effort from every line.
0: 100%. Yeah, you definitely need to have it from from everyone up and down the lineup, especially under a new system. you got to get production from everywhere on nights. where, like tonight, the big guns didn't really step up, right? I mean, like we said, not a big deal. Just didn't happen for him tonight. And luckily they got some depth scoring. Um, and this is the turnovers I was talking about. Getsy with a fumble in the slot. Turned it over. Luckily the Yotes couldn't convert. And then uh, just another another note to end the period. Uh, Ducks turned it over. Gooley off the glass. Off Jones. Right to the slot to Derek Stepan. I think he rang it off the crossbar over Gibson. So a couple of close calls for the Ducks in the first period. They got outshot 14-6. to But ended the period 1-0. Um, they didn't look really dangerous. Uh, turnovers and limited rushes up the ice. But, hey, man, they got out on top of the board early in the first period or midway through the first period and uh, and held on to that lead.
1: Big win is they mentioned shot attempts on the broadcast. Weird. <laughs> I, don't I, I don't think I've ever heard that happen before where they brought a shot attempts. was
0: on my phone, and I don't know if anyone listening has ever gone to natural stat trick and tried to do it on your phone. It's not real awesome because it's graphs and you got to, like, scroll through it. So I, like, rewound it. I'm like, did they really just say that? What were the shot attempts? I would, like, rewound it. And I'm like, oh. Attempted to thirty-two to to, uh, to twenty in favor of the Coyotes. I'm Like, since when do they start tracking? But the Ducks they I, recently I had to go hired an analyst. They recently yeah, hired an
1: analyst. I had to go back and check to make sure they were actually right and they weren't just <laughs> trying to make <laughs> just something throw up. A
0: broadcast number. <laughs>
1: If you know what? You know it's funny because they they mention it, and I'm happy they mention it, but they still made it sound awkward. Like they still made it sound like it wasn't, like it wasn't right or it wasn't believable that they brought it up on the broadcast. I'm I'm happy they did because it, it does help you know explain the game a little bit better. Because if you just looked at it and saw that the Ducks were outshot 14 to seven, uh, it looks like a nightmare period from then. Even though the shot attempts don't say it was much closer, I think it was a closer period than the shots kind of show. Um, obviously.
0: I don't know, man. It was pretty close. I mean, yeah, I, so I mean, it
1: was it was close. It wasn't it wasn't like the Yotes dominated them. I, I think a lot of they had stuff. the
0: majority of the chances.
1: They did, yeah. But I think a lot of their shots, uh, especially a lot of their shot attempts, were from the perimeter. They did have a couple A plus shots, and even even Derek Stepan's uh, hit shot off the crossbar it doesn't count as a shot attempt. It doesn't count as a shot on net. But uh, they definitely had the the share of chances in this one. But I think it was a bit closer than maybe the shots suggest.
0: Well, the Ducks get out of that with a one nothing lead going into the second period, and I mean they just get off to a much better start. Physical play starts off, um, several chances for the Ducks to begin the second period. Troy Terry, most notably, with a great move, moving in through the offensive zone at the, at the you know the top of the zone into the slot with a nice toe drag to change the shooting angle, and just misses the net on the release on the rush. Good to see him getting back out of the play. Um, he kind of had a quiet night, but every once in a while, you got a glimpse of Troy Terry.
1: Did you see uh, Troy Terry and Max Jones with the top hats before uh,
0: before the game <laughs> tonight? That was, uh, Ridiculous! <laughs>
1: it's a great choice. They had the, they interviewed him and they asked him about the top hat, and he said uh, uh, he said, or I think the the new Ducks analyst was saying, it's because he had a haircut. And it was a bad haircut, but he, he said he went out shopping with Max, and they just they couldn't pass up a hat like that. So. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty legendary, but yeah, Troy Terry had a, a bit of a quiet game. Uh, but uh, man, if he had made that pay off, if he had a uh, toe dragged around him and actually picked the bottom corner, he just missed too. I get, you know, the broadcast just kind of underplayed that a bit. He just missed the the bottom left corner of the net there, and it was a good, a good bit of patience from him. And I'm interested to see how that line kind of progresses uh, with Adam Henrique. Uh, maybe eventually I could see some swaps with uh, with Ryan Getzlaff in that line, depending on how things go. Uh, but if you go look at the numbers, like the best two lines in the night were the Getzlaff line and the Adam Henrique line, which Troy Terry was a part of. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's one game, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to try and overanalyze things right now. It's one game against a team who's a very good defensive team. Like, let's not forget the Coyotes were fifth-best defensive team in the league last year. So, you know, two goals uh, against a very good goaltender, a very good team defensively. Uh, you're not going to have everybody have a great night. You're not going to have, you know, a barn burner like uh, we saw with uh, the Rangers and the Winnipeg Jets tonight. No. six six four a 6-4 finish. Uh, so is a pretty solid game for Troy Terry if he's not make, out there making mistakes, I think it's already better than the way he started last year
0: especially for a young player right you, you gotta just make sure you're not the guy on the hot seat getting burned up by your coaches. You want to make sure that you're that you're making yeah. the right play at the right time if you're quiet on the score sheet, it's opening night it happens um, but let's talk about uh, the coyotes goal because we have to uh, pretty passing play by the oats on the rush Lindholm gets drawn off his man he was playing a, it got a little deep. On his coverage, uh, watching Keller a bit make his move just to the left of him. It gave Kessel just enough space to get it over to Stepan. Stepan was just a step ahead of Richie, who was reaching. Just, I mean, everything came together for the Yotes on this play. And, I mean, Stepan even even like fluttered the shot on the one timer over a stretch Gibson. And now all of a sudden we're tied 1 1. Great play by the Coyotes on the rush, man. Not, not much you could do with that talent up front like that, making those passes.
1: Yeah, this is going to be textbook, I think, for the Coyotes this year where you're going to see some great plays and probably 90% of them are going to come from this line. And I can guarantee Derek Stepan's is going to love playing with Phil Kessel and Clayton Keller because they're going to be able to find him the puck. He didn't really have to do much on this play, not to say he didn't contribute to it. Just but had to drive to Clayton, the
0: net and get open. Yeah, Clayton <laughs> Keller
1: set up uh, Phil Kessel and then Kessel set up a, a nice backhand pass over to Stepan, where he just wired it over, over Gibson. Not much Gibson could do on that play either because uh, it's a backdoor pass, but give some credit to to the Coyotes because, again, like I said, they struggled just as much, if not worse, than the Ducks did last year scoring goals. And this is kind of the line they need to get things done. And, and up until that point, I think the Ducks did a pretty good job uh, of shutting it down, which is difficult to do when you look at, uh, you know, Phil Kessel and, and Clayton Keller, how great they are and how fast they are on the wings. And, and Derek Stepan, I don't think, gets enough credit for for being just a consistent guy who can put up 50 points a season. So that's a that's a tough line to be able to shut down and contain for that long.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely is, man. And there's not much you could do in that play either. I, I'm sure our buddy Chris, uh, you know, long-time listener of the show would love to give me a hard time about Hampus Lindholm not being able to stop that pass. He just loves to rip on me because I'm, Lindholm, you know, Lindholm's my boy. But, uh, you yeah, know, whatever, man. You get beat by great guys sometimes. just the way it goes. Let me go ahead and shrug that one off. I'm sure I'll get a text from Chris later about it. Um, Steal off the post. Right, You can make the whole joke, steal off the iron. You can you know, make some cheesy line like that. I'm surprised Allers didn't do that, but uh, he didn't. Oh,
1: he's, 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 he's probably thinking about it now. He's waiting for the next time <laughs> it happens. You can't, see, that. that's one you can't use all the time, and you don't throw that out in the season open. you got to save that for it's, later on. He's
0: going to save it. He's going to put some weird little spin on it, so that way it like sounds better than the way I said it. But he's for sure going to say that. Great board work by Rowney and Shore on that play, too, to free the puck up there. Um, and then Henrik buries Clayton Keller on the, on the sideboards. Keller, obviously, though, was no worse for the worse for wear. Gets up, gets behind the defense, has a great rush chance in on John Gibson, but Larson got back to break it up. Lots of contact in the crease by, against Gibson tonight, huh? It's like the same thing we've seen uh, the past couple of seasons. Guys just like to drive in on the net and, and uh, give you the poke, see if he's still uh, a little injury-prone, as something like to call him. Oh,
1: man, I don't want to – not not this early – John Gibson goes down. He's uh, not. He's made of stone this I year. Already, I already had the, the, the concerns in preseason when he got hurt, and it was just precautionary that he got left out, and everybody was was just worried that he was done for for I don't know how long to you know first whatever whatever time he's out for is going to hurt the Ducks. So hopefully he's fine. He doesn't have to deal he with He was laughing
0: much. tonight. He had no he had no he's problem. He's
1: always <laughs> laughing. Yeah, but uh, hopefully Josh Manson and Hamish Lynn Holcomb can clear the crease a bit. But uh, you know, as for Clayton Keller, he got buried a few times this game. Oh, yeah. like, it's it's always tough for a guy of his size to, to compete out there, especially when you've got guys like Josh Manson and Havis Lindholm on the blue line. You've got some big guys up front. Adam Henrique's not necessarily a big guy, but he's known to throw the body on occasion. And yeah, Clayton Keller was having a tough game trying to find some space out there.
0: So let's get to the fanciest play of the night, and that's for Cam Fowler. What an unbelievable move the footwork the edge work uh, to get in on the play like that get around Stroza, and being able to roof that as you come in off the point on the pass from Rowney to put the Ducks up to one far side unbelievable play by Cam Fowler man you go back to he's always been touted for his skating ability that right there was holy hell that was some great work by Cam Fowler that was like that's like some of the best stuff I've seen from that guy
1: yeah, for sure. it, it's the best stuff we've seen in a while from him because, again, we're going we're gonna to say this a lot this year and how a lot of guys didn't have confidence last year, and it's going to be a complete 180 or 360 from, from you know the play for some guys this year, the confidence and the creativity from what we saw last year. Uh, but this just seems like a whole new Cam Fowler and the confidence that he has to even try and pull off that move. I feel like last year, you know, he doesn't try and do that because if he loses the puck in that play, he's getting ripped by Randy Carlisle on the bench and Oof. feels like he, he doesn't have, you know, the support to try and make a play like that. And, and it kind of feels like this year, you know, players are going out there knowing that they could try things. And Dallas Eakins has already said that he's given the players the freedom on offense to try things. And, and I think you see that in that can't foul the goal because we know he has the skating, Dude. we know he has this in his locker to be able to do this. And that pivot that he puts on on Vinny Hinestroza is just unreal. And then not, not only that, I mean, he doesn't get himself in a great position after that pivot. He's still at the, the I think he starts at the top of the, the left point and kind of comes in through the circle. Then he cuts it back into the outside and he uses two of his own players as a screen and just picks a perfect shot into the top right corner over the glove of, of Darcy Kemper, like and just when, the whole play in general.
0: And when you go far side, when you're on your wing, that's a tough yeah. shot on a giant goaltender. You already talked about Darcy Kipper being 6'5", um, and to be able to go far set on him when you're on your own side. That's an incredible shot, incredible play by Cam Fowler, man. That was just a beautiful move. It's so nice to see him being able to do that. Uh, he mentioned about you know playing with confidence. He's trying to play confidently. I hope so. I hope this is a real bounce back year for the whole team, especially guys like Cam Fowler, who've been ripped on by us. I mean, we've, everyone's had their fair share. He's getting share. ripped
1: on in the chat still right now, despite, oh, <laughs> despite really? scoring that goal. Ripped uh, on but, still?
0: He was, yeah. the, he was the best defenseman on the ice. Yeah, I think offensive he, Five he, on he definitely five, was. he was the best defenseman.
1: Yeah, what they're going to need it. Do? They're they're gonna need him to to use his skating positively this year and and uh, you know a lot of and and to be fair we ripped on him a lot last year for for some sure. of the defensive plays that he was making in his own zone and that were leading to goals and you know the one that always comes to mind to me and I'm sure it does for you is the the Winnipeg OT goal uh, where he just completely lost I think I can't remember, I think it was Kyle Connor or somebody else from but he where just he turned away from the net. Yeah, skated away from the net, and, and uh, the Jets scored and ended up winning that game. But, yeah, I, I hope it's a turnaround for him. Even even if not so much defensively, at least offensively, if he just has a little bit more creativity. And, and it feels like he, you know, it just feels a bit more comfortable playing didn't with Brendan Gould. on which... in
0: the chat on opening night. Unbelievable. Tough, and he man. scores the winning goal in the game. Unbelievable. And
1: right? it was beauty like Again, the pivot on that play Shame is what on we were going to talk about. But <laughs> the fact that he was able to cut in back outside and wire that, to the top right corner is just as impressive as making that move on Henestrosa.
0: I yelled in my house. I was like, what? What just happened? I was like, totally. What? (laughs) He made that play out of nothing.
1: No, that doesn't happen. If camp Fowler doesn't make that pivot.
0: No. So they put the ducks up two to one, uh, going into the third period, much better. Second period by Anaheim, which we could not say all of last year. And most of the season before, um, going into the third period, were you surprised that Getzoff didn't play a lot? The broadcast made mention in the beginning of the third period; he played a little bit over eight minutes.
1: Was that a surprise I know, to you? I, I, I don't. Want, I don't want to say I'm surprised because the difference this year, and it was mentioned a, a bunch of times on the broadcast and by a lot of people on Twitter too, is it looks like uh, Dallas Aikens is not playing to matchups this year, right? And I think a lot of what we saw last year is Ryan Getzlaff was put out there against the the other team's third line or fourth line. And especially in home games, he was racking up a ton of ice time. Uh, But even before the third period, just because it was a matchup system that Randy Carlisle was implementing right now, Dallas Aikens is just kind of rolling four lines and not really looking for matchups. He's just throwing whatever line he wants out there. And obviously there's some strategy to it or more strategy to it than I'm giving credit for, Uh, but he's not a matchup coach. And I think you're going to see that in, in the ice time for some of these players. And I think that's, Probably a good thing for Ryan Getzlaff. You know, he doesn't need to be playing 18 to 20 minutes a night, especially when you've got the talent on these three lines kind of spread out, right? Like, I don't think you could pick a first line out of those three lines tonight when you've got, you know, Ricard, Ricard, Raquel, and Silverberg on the wings of Sam Steele, but then you've got a center of the quality of Getzlaff with Kasha, but then you've got Richie on that line, and then you've got Adam Henrique playing with two young guys, in, in, in Troy Terry and Max Jones. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's hard to pick out, you know, a one, two, three from that. It, it's almost like three equal lines, and I think that's what Dallas Aikens is trying to go for. And I think you're going to see a little bit less ice time, maybe for guys like Ryan Getzlaf, who were getting a ton of it last year.
0: Well, let's talk about Getzlaf again because this is we have our first allerism of the season, and it was uh, he picked <laughs> he picked off a pizza, whatever that means. I have never heard that before in my entire life. But that was a what reference was referring to? to Ryan Getzloff with a huge intercept in the slot, on one of the few turnovers the Coyotes had in their own zone. The Broadcast even mentioned that. I mean, they've been tracking turnovers and stats a lot, and I was very impressed. Uh, but Getzloff misses the shot on Kemper because he's a giant. Uh, I think he just grazed the outside of the post on that play. But Allers says he picked off a pizza. Um, I have That's no clue one.
1: he's clue. I think he's, he's been writing these about. down
0: in the offseason. He he's he has. got a whole list of them. I mean, yeah. I mean, what does he say? Like, making you know, a he's m- got a Sam Steele one in there. You know, he's
1: got a Sam Steele <laughs> one in there with the post, and I feel like he's just saving it. He he had probably picked off a pizza at the top of the list, and Sam Steele hit the post. What do you Steele think, the, do you think the Sam Steele right one's
0: going to be? Is he going to say like steel is not as strong as iron? Is he going to like say something or tonight yeah, steel is not like as strong as iron? he's going to come across yeah, and say something ridiculous something like that it's I a metal
1: win, joke man. it's a metal pun 100 percent. it's a metal pun you know it's coming he's, he's uh, the or best. or he's gonna do like a superman man of steel one or something like that that's you know it's coming It's it's definitely coming
0: well shout out to joseph roba uh, who or who's been a follower of us too? He, he made sure he tagged us in that on on Twitter. I had heard it and I was laughing in my living room. I'm like I got to retweet that because that was a goodie. But picked off a pizza. It's a new one. I'm I'm going to try to uh, bring that back wherever that was from. I'll start saying that in day to day life and see if anyone understands what I'm saying.
1: Um, that's from the mind of, of John Oliver, <laughs> and that's it. I don't think that's how, that's it's ever been said history. anywhere else ever.
0: Uh, so. It was funny, in my, in our notes, I wrote down, there was no, how was there no penalties in this game? And then literally a minute and a half later, uh, Carl Soderbergh gets a call for goaltender interference against John Gibson. So, Ducks go to the power play, and it was awful. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, it was awful. They didn't get anything going on the first power play unit or the second power play unit. Whatever. First power play of the, of the season, first power play of the game. No big deal. And then Rowney takes down Clayton Keller. Their power play was also awful. So, Whatever.
1: That's expected from these two teams, right? Just the the way way it went. went. The Ducks aren't going to turn their power play around uh, game one. I think it's going to take a lot of work and finding some chemistry, just like the Lions are going to. But the, these are two teams last year who notoriously struggled on the power play and, and scoring goals in general. So uh, I, I am surprised why Arizona didn't look a little bit better when you've got a power play specialist like Phil Kessel in there. Obviously, you've got to kind of work things out and find a system that revolves around Phil Kessel. But they, they seem like they're they're a long ways away from utilizing him correctly on the power play.
0: Yeah. And you, you, they could, they're going to have to kind of figure those power plays out, especially because they move guys around, right? And that's just, it's just going to take time. I mean, no know Getze on the first power play unit go to the, goes to the second power play unit. Hampus Lindholm quarterback, uh, quarterback in the second power play unit. It's all mixed up. I'm not worried about it.
1: No, I, I'm not. I, I don't think the Ducks power play is going to be great. This year, I think it will be better. Uh, but I think you just got to find what works. And, and the Ducks are still struggling to find out who to put on, you know, on the half wall, who to put on the point, who to put on the top of the circle and, and figure out who's going to be the shooter. Uh, Getzlaff, anytime he's out there, he's obviously the facilitator. I think we've argued for a very long time that Getzlaff should be in the Ovechkin spot, shooting the puck. Uh, he's probably the best guy to put in that spot. We, we argued Brandon Montour too before he got traded, but uh, I still don't know why they don't put Getzlaff over there. But there's some there's some work to do. I think right. with these two power play units, yeah, to to find out to find out who's best for power play one, who's best for power play two, and they have time. Like they they have plenty of time. And and again, maybe in the future that includes Maxim Kuntowa if he gets a call up and and does well. I think he's a guy that the Ducks eventually would want to have on, on power play one or power play two, uh, and and that's all going to come throughout the rest of the season. And and, and again, like we thinking way way in the future. You've got a guy like Trevor Egris, who's, who's still coming up, who you would hope would be a big contributor to the power play as well in the future. So yeah. it, it's a work in progress, and it's going to be a work in progress for a while. This is a very young team. Uh, as we already said, too, the youngest team in, in Anaheim Ducks history. So the power play is going to take a bit of work, I think.
0: Hey, man, well, we start off the season with a win. Round of applause for beginning of the year with a solid, um, most of the time solid win for the night. Uh, Ducks come away with a victory here, 2-1 to one over the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I'm going to ask you straight up, man. What were you most impressed with tonight? And I least, think... le- Most and least impressed with. What's the most impressive thing you saw tonight and the least impressive thing you saw tonight? And I'll start with least say impressed. You play.
1: No, no, I'll start with least impressed. And, and I think defensively they were a little bit weaker than I thought they'd be because – they pretty much brought the same guys back from last year. Yeah. So the chemistry is pretty much already there. And I think a lot of that comes down to just getting used to the new system, the fact that they're allowed to jump in the play more, allowed to have a little more creativity. And when you're just starting out and just trying to learn that uh, and, and kind of develop on that system, you're going to have errors in your own. And you're going to get caught up ice. You're going to make some bad turnovers. And sure. it's going to get better. Uh, but I was disappointed with the way it, it kind of started and, and continued to not look too great. Throughout the rest of the game, they didn't get hurt by it, and they didn't really leave Gibson hung out to dry. That Not many occasions, much. no, no. We step on hitting the crossbar; he was kind of left wide open, and, and on the goal as well. But it's it's better. It's better. It could have been better in this game, uh, but I think I guess that's what I was least impressed with. Uh, what I was most impressed with was the fact that uh, you know that fourth line again. I mean, uh-huh. Derek Grant and, and Devin Shore. The other lines were pretty good. I, I did like Getzlaff, Kasha, and Ritchie, uh, and I also did like uh, Henrik, uh, Terry, and, and Jones as well. Unfortunately, the, the line I was most excited for, uh, Steele, Raquel, and Silverberg, didn't do that great. It was arguably one of the Ducks' worst lines in the night. But, yeah, Derek Grant uh, and Devin Shore, specifically those two, and I, and I don't want to throw Carter Rennie on the bus, but those two looked really, really good yeah. tonight. And I think they're, they're earning themselves a roster spot when you look at some of the depth on this team. They're, they're kind of making it difficult to move them out.
0: Yeah, and you know what, though? It's one of those nights, and I know that all the anti-analytics people are going to laugh at me about this, but it's one of those nights where the fourth line analytically didn't look great, but they're the guys who caught your eye shift after shift uh, and and passed the eye test. It was just one of those nights. and They made things happen at the right time, didn't get burned when they didn't, and that's kind of how the story went for that fourth line. Uh, For me, if I were to pick something that stood out to me tonight that I was uh, really impressed with, Um, I think I would have to go also – I know it's it's cheap for me to say that, but uh, also with the fourth line, uh, a lot – or the play of Cam Fowler offensively really stepped it up. Um, I felt like he had a really good game. Brendan Gouley didn't have as good of a game as Cam Fowler did, uh, which is fine. But
1: but he's never going to be the guy uh, necessarily where you notice it, right? Like he made a great play in preseason where he sniped that shot top corner, but that's not –
0: But even aside from the goal – from Cam Fowler. Cam Fowler looks strong tonight, right? You take away that it's goal, like he, he still had free. a strong game.
1: He, he, um, he looked like he was more free out there to do what he wanted.
0: And then when it looks at, if you want to pick out a negative thing for me, would be the Ducks' uh, Ducks breakout was terrible. Uh, I was awful. Yeah. I feel like they couldn't get a rush out of their own end to save their life most of the time. And when they did, they turned it over. Or they'd bobble the pass. Or they would lose the puck. Or whatever it was got in the way of them having. It. The breakouts are going to get fixed. It's early. Uh, but if I had to pick one negative thing in the night, I, I would nitpick that for sure. Um, it's and- chemistry on
1: the first pass, I think, in in that sense. It's, it's just trying to kind of build that chemistry and, and work out a system here. And, and uh-huh. I think you saw that with the, with the turnovers. A lot of the turnovers the Ducks had uh, were trans- transitioning from the defense to offense in that first pass, trying to figure out where guys are going to be, uh, and then clearing their own zone where, where a lot of the turnovers were. And I think that stuff, at least, that – over time and, and over the first, you know, 10, 10 20 games that the Ducks are going to iron those kinks out and they're going to get a little better at it.
0: Hey, do we have any questions in chat or should we go to the questions on Twitter? We, we have a few on Twitter.
1: Anybody Let's have go any one questions on Twitter? In chat?
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, if that. you have any questions on on chat and I missed them, just uh just throw them back in here because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of the Early on, there was a lot of Nick Ritchie hate and saying that the Ducks should uh, send Nick Ritchie down and bring up Maxim Comentor, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are on board for. But uh, uh, here's one. So Samuel Whitwick, he said, uh, Michael Delzato or Cabrini Holzer? Who would you rather have on that bottom pairing?
0: I would have to say Delzato, honestly. I would have to go towards Delzato. Yeah.
1: And I'm not a huge fan of Michael Delzato either. Um, but we didn't get to see a ton of him last year with the Ducks before he got moved. And we kind of know what Kirby and Holtz is going to have, and, and like it, it's it's so. It, every time I think of something good to, to say why Michael Desauto should be in, then I start to think of like, oh, do I really want five left-handed shots on the blue line because that makes transitioning out of your own zone a little bit more difficult? A lot of guys are going to be on their their uh, opposite hand on the backhand trying to make a pass out of their own zone, but maybe Michael Desauto's backhand is better than Kirby and Holtz's forehand. So
0: don't <laughs> you mostly want him on the team because he has a Stanley Cup? to his resume isn't that why I figured that's what Canadians like the most they want rings in the got room it. you gotta have I that think. in the locker yeah, yeah you gotta have rings in the room that's sure. all Canadians like
1: I wonder if he has it the Blues got their rings Whatever
0: I don't I don't honest. think he he wasn't el- eligible they would have to like sign yeah, for him to be on it I think. I, would you really want one though like he had that whole video and we talked about this over the summer I think on our Patreon shows where like he jumped into the pool with the Stanley Cup at his house but he didn't play a single Stanley Cup final game <laughs>
1: I like if I was him, I wouldn't. I I don't want to say. You know what? By all accounts, I great guy,
0: that. funny guy.
1: Yeah, I was about but to say if funny. I was him, I wouldn't want one. But I'm probably lying. That's if tough. I if I could get one, I'd probably I'd probably want one. Those blues <laughs> rings are nice sick, looking. man. I know That's we're not what supposed saying, to talk about the team.
0: Nice. Those are sick rings. They're very nice.
1: Yeah, I if I was if I was Michael Desoto, I'd want one, but. Uh, there's a whole other question if he deserves one or not. But, you know, who am I to say if he deserves one or not? He didn't play exactly. a in the final game. He didn't die. So <laughs> at least
0: he was part <laughs> of the team. So. We got anything else in chat or do you want to go to uh, to Twitter?
1: Uh, Lowry in, in our chat said, what will it take for Gibby to win the Vesna?
0: Oh, Jesus. Um, to get 52 <laughs> wins. Early on. He's got to get 50 <laughs> wins. Fifty. Yeah. I mean – these GMs, it's unbelievable to me. He, he could post a 940 save percentage, I feel like, and let's say he wins 39 games, 40 games, because um, they don't overplay him and, and they give Miller some starts. Let's say he, he gets rested a couple more times. Let's say he gets a, God forbid, a minor injury or tweak or something like that. He takes a couple games off, doesn't get that that high-end win side of things. That's the only thing. I mean, you. I mean, I tweeted at Sportsnet the other day about it. It's like, who, who's going to win the Vezina this year? Like, Bishop, Vasilevsky, Tuka Rask, and whoever else. And I was like, what? Like, really? Really? Like, yeah, you guys think, don't look uh, at the stats? You only look NHL at, like, and the NBC. names?
1: Yeah, NHL NBC tweeted out, uh, it was something about what are your, like, which one of these four goalies has the best chance of winning the Vezina this year. And I believe it was, um, it was Vasilevsky, Bishop, Freddie Anderson, and I can't remember the fourth guy. Probably Maybe tux. it was Bobrovsky. Might it might have been. Yeah, it might have been tux. It could have been Bobrovsky. But either way, John Gibson didn't make it. And, and there was actually a lot of people in the comments there saying, "You know, how is John Gibson not here?" Uh, but it's because of wins. It's because of wins. And yeah, if John Gibson wants to win this year, uh, needs thirty-five plus at least in wins to get there. And, and the, the numbers say percentage goals against average because that's what they're voting for. They have to be up there. Uh, he'll likely be uh, on top of goals saved above average, like he has been for the last couple of seasons. But he, he's got a long way to go. You know, if 45 you look at the goal, plus yeah.
0: wins, a two, a 45. Two, I, I, I'm telling you, he's got to have 45 plus wins. He's got to have a 920 plus save percentage, and he's got to have a 2.3 GAA or below, which is a BS stat for goaltenders, by the way.
1: But that's Brett it. said, just not being a duck. <laughs>
0: that's a that's a that's very argument. very uh very very good comment because it's probably true. That's how you win. That's how you win. What are you going to do? Yeah, uh, that's it, all. That's what it's going to take. I
1: hope he just like – even though like, – I, I don't know. Last year was tough because I think he deserved a nomination no matter what. Yeah. And he got – and not only that, he got one third-place vote and that was it.
0: They put him like in that. tier two in the goaltender talk like we talked about. Like, was it Craig Custance put out that article on athletics? Yeah. yeah, He's a tier two goalie. I'm like, get the hell out of here with this.
1: Do you think – like let's say he gets thirty-seven wins. Ducks don't make the playoffs, but his let's say his save percentage is like north of nine twenty, and his goals against, goals against average is south of two two point two. Do you think he still has a chance if he's I think if he he's either be, leading or close to leading in those categories?
0: Maybe gets nominated.
1: Yeah, like let's say you know he ends up finishing like fifth or sixth and wins, uh, but he's like tied for first or second and goals goals. Uh, Goals above or goals against average and, and save percentage. But the Ducks don't make the playoffs.
0: Like,
1: I don't like – If he's all sub 40 wins, but I think he's going to have no like have 930. He's going
0: to have to have a 930. Yeah. Well, the, the question is like do the Ducks have to make the
1: playoffs then for him to win the Vesna?
0: Yeah. No, I think so for sure.
1: Because I think – well, what was the last goalie? It was Bobrovsky was the last goalie I think to, to win the Vesna and, and not have his team make the playoffs. I think, that, I think that's what it was. I don't know if I don't know if that was with Columbus or not. I believe he only has one uh Vesnas with Columbus, so
0: I'd have to check that. I'm not sure entirely.
1: Yeah, and uh, operation we, we operation brings up the uh, the infamous the score article uh talking about how the Ducks are the most unwatchable team this season. We talked about this on what yeah. was it our Patreon show? Was that uh, yeah. what we
0: talked? Yeah, that was on Sunday that was our Patreon show. So if you guys don't know, we have a Patreon show. If you if you listen to the show all the way through to, towards the end of this year, through the post game, uh, that is a way to support us. Yes, absolutely. But our, our Patreon, we also give back uh, with several reward tiers, and uh, one of those tiers or a couple of those tiers involve you um, know extra shows. We do, uh, what, three extra shows a month now is what we're doing now. <sighs>
1: yeah we we try we try to get three extra shows out. oh come on last uh,
0: month was tough this month yeah we were doing three extra shows every month during the season for sure so yeah we
1: got uh, Pox and Bruce, which is everybody's favorite we got a, a rant show which is fun and then we have a, a a game show called Bobby's bargain bin where you can win uh yeah. sign- Merchandise from your favorite bargain signings from uh, Bob Murray, like uh, Lucas Pisa and Kevin Bieksa yep, and uh, James Wisniewski. <laughs> <Among others. laughs> yeah, if we among can find all it, the other I don't, I don't know. Guys. If, I don't know if we can find any, uh, any signed James Wisniewski ducks merchandise out there, but uh, if, we'll, we'll try. We'll I, I try. really
0: want to give away uh, Danny Heatley something or other. That's
1: I know. I want to find that. I feel like it's not out there though. He played what one game. Something Did stupid. Yeah. Um, that's the one I need to find. I need we need to find if we find a Danny Heatley signed ducks, that, that thing's probably expensive though. Because like he <laughs> he's like a cult legend and then the fact that he was with the Ducks for like literally two games, one game, half a game, that's gonna be hard stuff.
0: I mean, there's a Danny Heatley jersey online for two hundred dollars. <laughs> ducks jersey? <laughs> ducks jersey, yeah.
1: Oh man. Yeah. We'll I mean the, I we'll, could
0: just we'll, we'll have to search around.
1: <laughs> for cheaper than that, <laughs> like just buy a jersey <laughs> for like fifty bucks and get it customized.
0: So good. All right, you want to want me to go to to uh, to Twitter?
1: Uh, if, ironically enough, the Twitter questions were the questions that we already had. So uh, uh, tabernacle asked, "What were were we most impressed with tonight?" Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be the obvious, like Grant and Fowler, but we went with the obvious. I did go uh, with the
0: obvious there. The other oh, the other guy I thought played a quietly good game was Adam Henrique. I think Adam Henry yes, had a really, yeah. really solid game tonight. In face-off circle, he was good. Also, he was up and down the ice defensively, too. You didn't see him get cut out of position, uh, and he was involved in, um, in some scoring chances there. I think he had a pretty solid game for the Ducks.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, because it was like it kind of came a weird thing uh, for, I guess, a day and a half, is is where where's Braden Tracy? <laughs> because nobody seemed to know he was in the limbo. Elliot Teefer knew. Well, but no, because I think Elliot Tieford and Eric Stevens both said that he got sent back to Moose Jaw, but that's not true. And Moose Jaw kind of proved, uh, kind of proved that today by saying he's still in Anaheim and he's got an injury. Uh, I was kind of thinking it might be an injury because he he was listed all the way up until the end uh, being part of the training camp roster, the one that the Ducks had on their website. He was on the Ducks' official roster on their website as well. And then when they released The Last Cuts, they had only mentioned that Benoit levay Grew was the only one going back to junior. So nothing mentioned about Braden Tracy. I went and looked. He hadn't played a game for Moose Jaw yet. Mm. And uh, nobody nobody knew. And, and you know, he said he got sent back down a while ago. But then, again, Moose Jaw coming out, to uh, I think it was today, saying that uh, he's still in Anaheim with an injury. Makes sense now why he didn't play in preseason at all. i think that was the weird thing because he was part of that roster we saw i think we saw literally everybody on that roster except Braden tracy uh play in preseason sucks because i really would have liked to see him play i don't know where he got injured because he did play in the rookie tournament and i don't remember seeing him get injured so they didn't uh they didn't release it whatsoever but uh I, man, I, I really wish we would have got to see him play. I, I thought he was going to sneak his way into the roster somehow without even playing a game. But uh, it sucks for him that he's hurt. It'll be nice to see him back in Moose Jaw. But, uh, yeah, for a bit there, he was in limbo.
0: Well, it's – can they can – <clears throat> excuse me. Can they not send him back because he's injured? Is I, I don't know. I don't
1: know how that works. They, they – Musta might want him here because he can get better treatment and care here than, than what a CHL team can, can offer, right? Like you look at what the Ducks have at their disposal to deal with his injury. It might just be better to leave him here than send him back to Moosejah injured and have to maybe have have him sit out for a longer period of time. That, that would be my guess because I think they can they can send him back no matter what. Like even if he's injured, they can send him back. I believe uh, LA did the same thing with Gabriel Villardi. When he had the back injury, mm. you know, they could have sent him back to Kingston, I think it was, but they didn't because you know the, the staff that the staff the staff that they have in the NHL is a, a lot more capable of dealing with something like that than sending him back down to junior hockey where not to say they don't have uh, capable you know guys uh, training staff capable of dealing with injuries down in, in the OHL, but it's obviously you know the gap in, in sophistication is, is a bit different
0: That's strange. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if he if he, if anything pops up about that because I thought I thought I saw Tifer said yeah Moose Chuck, uh he reported back they already ta- they already said that a while ago reported a while ago but hey man who knows where he's at then he's uh, he's he's in limbo somewhere getting better treatment than he could get uh, elsewhere so he's in Anaheim according to Eddie Eddie knows everything so. <laughs>
1: I want to I want to talk uh, quickly about because there's a, a lot of you we're know, Brayden Tracy is one of the, the top Ducks prospects. Trevor Zegers' season's about to start. Uh, I want to talk about the goals though because we we know Maxim come to and Isaac Lindstrom have been sent down. Key for sure. still down there. Daniel Sprong's down there. Like, this is you know Antoine Morans down there, and they brought in some guys. And Josh Maher, uh, when he I think he's fully healthier. When he's fully healthy, he's going to be down there as well. Like they're shaping up to be pretty good team. Hunter Drew uh, is down there as well. So the, the the goals are getting a lot of different players coming in. Uh and it's gonna be interesting. Like there there's a lot of depth for the Ducks to work with when you think of like Sprong is, is NHL talent, you would assume so which is Key for Sherwood and school Linderstrom and Maxine Comtois very well could be guys that could be playing in the NHL right now if there was enough space for them. And and maybe, you know, Antoine Moran surprises some people this year. Like the, there's no given and I think in the bottom six for this team, when you look at you know, Terry's waiver exempt, Sam Steele's waiver exempt, Max Jones's waiver exempt. Like these are all guys that could be sent down if they struggle. Like they not to say that they should not feel safe, but uh, there's a, there's a lot of depth for the Ducks to sure to work with.
0: Yeah, and I think you're going to see Daniel Sprong back up in a Ducks uniform there in the, probably the first 25 30 games of the season. You're going to see him back up here. They're going to send somebody else down, preferably one of the kids that can't be claimed, um, and Sprong's going to get back up. I think he's going to go down, and I think he's probably going to tear it up. And as long as you know the kids, yeah, aren't does he have up to come Anaheim, back through
1: waivers? If he tears it up, you don't have to come up.
0: back through waivers. I don't think the NHL does that. I think when you get sent back down, is when you can get plucked. Uh, I'm not a uh, an expert on these rules, but I thought there was no. I thought there were the NHL got rid of the returning waivers. I think you only can get plucked going down. So let's be honest. I mean, Sprong's not a not an old guy. He's still a young kid so
1: he's 22 23
0: I yeah think. he's he's young he's right around all the rest of these kids ages he's you know he's like i don't he's know like how 27 he year old up. guy uh well i mean how i know it's, like, guys it's early it? in
1: the season and most teams are just setting their rosters and there's no point in bringing in a guy i get it i feel like it's an but, unwritten
0: rule you just don't claim my guys we all do it at the same time two, two same guys, guys
1: got stuff. claimed two guys got claimed out of that eric Comrie got claimed from uh from winnipeg and that's a, a pretty decent pickup for arizona to grab him he's one, not, I don't want to say one of the better young goalies out there, but he had a pretty good year in the AHL. So, like, guys got claimed. Um, but you know, Josh Hosang I can understand why teams want to stay away from him because of uh, the attitude issues that he has. I mean, but I just I don't get I it. Like, picked him up. Listen, I'm happy Daniel Sprong cleared waivers. I'm just surprised that no team was like, "Oh, we could use that guy." Like people, people are saying, "Why the hell did
0: Edmonton go after him?"
1: Right? Well, they didn't need like him
0: clearly. You saw McDavid uh, last night, right? You don't need Sprong.
1: Oh, I, I uh in a in a goals only fantasy league I took James Neal just for the fact he's playing with Connor McDavid. <laughs> I had to man, I had to. Like, the, you look at that? And I don't want to go into the Oilers too much, but I was watching that game. I was talking to you yesterday, and I was watching uh, Oilers and, and <laughs> Vancouver Canucks, and uh, man, they they look awful on the wings. Like they have <laughs> they have nothing, and like Connor McDavid is running the show there. But I I don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for
0: Connor McDavid. It's just the way it goes. Do you got anything else you want to toss in here, man, before we call this show a wrap? Game one is done, and uh game two here's uh, gearing up for Saturday night.
1: Uh yeah, last thing on the, the goals. I specifically Maxim Commatoire, because I feel like a lot of people are disappointed that he got sent down. We mentioned that earlier. How how I guess two part question. How well do you think he does in San Diego? Because we we haven't we only saw a couple games from him in San Diego last year. And uh how soon do you think before he gets called up?
0: I think you're going to see him here in the first 10 games, unless Jones lights it up. I think you're going to see yeah. him get called up, for sure.
1: I feel like they give it a little bit more time, but uh, I think he's got potential to be one of the better players in the AHL, and that might be bias. Uh, but I think he, when you look at some of the young players that are, are moving out of the AHL that were, were – consider the better players in the AHL last year, mm-hmm. a lot of them are getting promoted this year, early starting the season with the NHL club. And uh, I think Maxim Kantuas got potential, especially if he's playing with Isaac Lindstrom or even moran or Sam Carrick. Like the Ducks have some mm-hmm. good center depth down there. He's got the potential to, if he's playing first line minutes for his power play, to tear it up and, and uh, put up a ton of goals down there. And I hope he does. I really do because. Me too. I need to see it. I, a lot of people are high on, on Maxim Comtois, but we've only really seen him in, in junior and then a 10-game stint in the NHL. And I, I don't want to sound negative, but a 10-game stint in the NHL almost means nothing. We've seen I mean, one guy that always comes to mind for me, and I don't know if many people are going to remember this guy, but Fabian Brunstrom
0: yeah.
1: with the Dallas Stars' his first game, he scored a hat-trick, kind of came out of nowhere. I think he was drafted decently high, too. And then he just fizzled out. I'm not going to say Maxine Comtois is going to be that type of guy because I think Maxine Comtois is going to be an NHLer for a very long time. But you have to take 10 games of NHL experience with a grain of salt a bit. Yep. And I'm really excited to see him take that step up in competition and, and play in, in a hard league like the AHL, a grinding league like the AHL because that, that fits his style. He's a guy who likes to throw the body. So. The AHL should be, you know, his bread and butter. So if he goes down there and dominates like he did in junior, uh, I'm, I'm going to probably place him a bit higher. I think I had him three on my my top Ducks prospects. So a lot of people were saying I should have him up there with Trevor Zagres, but I, I got to see him. I, I got to see, see
0: consistency out of him, man. And and you know what though, it's he's going to get back up to the NHL. He's going to get a look this season for sure. I I, I don't know if he's going to dominate, but we got to we got to see what he what he can do. I mean, every team and every fan base. I mean, they overvalue their prospects, especially the ones they draft. They always overvalue yeah. them. You know, you always, you always covet them, and we always accuse our GM of that. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is every GM does it just the way it is. You always think your guy's the next this or next that. But, uh, like you said, man, he, he's really got to prove himself to get a roster spot for sure. And it, I mean, clearly he lost out to Max Jones uh, for opening night, but that doesn't mean it's done forever. We'll, I'm sure we're going to see yeah. him here in the next 10, 15 games.
1: Yeah, he he lost out in a four game preseason stint where he didn't look whatever didn't look bad, but he you know it, it wasn't notable. It Max Jones, bad. Max Jones notable. has Max Jones has thirty plus NHL games on him from from last year. I think Max Max Comtar would have had to look a lot better than Jones did for him to win that spot, and I think they both looked pretty much the same in preseason. Maybe Jones played a little, with a little bit more energy, but that's his style of game. But Kamtaw uh, would have had to look way better for him to beat out Jones and or even Terry or Steele because. Look at the NH- the NHL games those guys played last year. Like they've got all that experience on top of Maxim Comtois. So, and, and same goes for Isaac Lindstrom as well, playing overseas. And, and you know, you're, you're going to have to play Sam Steele, and obviously, uh, Getzlaff and Henrique are in the roster above him. So, I don't think it's a detriment to to Lindstrom or Comtois for getting sent down. It's just you know, those are probably the two guys that I think you know, fans should want to see more AHL time from, and I think mm-hmm. the coaching staff wants to see more AHL time for them as well.
0: Season them a bit. Well, I think yeah. that's going to do it for the night. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us to kick off the season. Ed, thanks for staying up until 2 a.m. to finish the podcast when you have to get up for work in three hours. So, no, uh, I don't
1: going to work. I got a six-hour drive to Sudbury oh, for a wedding. Oh, that's even
0: better. Why, who, why, am I, why am I saying thank you I'll take it?
1: that. I'll yeah, take, take that you. over, over yeah. going to work.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Always take a drive to go to a wedding over going to work. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us on Twitch um all of our patreon supporters everyone who's playing the forever mighty three stars look to eddie tweet at him for updates he gets very busy but he will take care of you and let you know if you win a jersey at the end of the month so make sure that you tune in 45 minutes before the start of the game for the questions uh each and every game this season and every month we have a new winner thank you to cool hockey for sponsoring that they've been our sponsor here since we started doing it uh, so shout out to them. Check their site out, coolhockey.com. Go buy a jersey. Uh, use the uh, the code FM20 to get 20% off your purchase, and they'll take care of you. there with legit jerseys. So that's it for us. Uh, go to our website for updates. Stay tuned to us on Twitter. Our website is forevermighty.com. I'm Patrick, and that's Eddie. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you on Saturday. See you guys. Well, we got a goodbye.